Hi, this is Brian Hughes with Third Degree Burn. What you're about to hear is a brand new episode of Cocktails and Comics, a Third Degree Burn podcast about things other than John Byrne. We recorded this last uh, last week, and um, well, we had some te- technical difficulties. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. I'm just going to blame it on the the bad weather from last week, the snowstorm that went across the Midwest. I think that can take the blame pretty much for anything. So what you're going to miss is you're going to miss the introductions. You're going to miss us talking about what we did during the bad weather, which for most of us really didn't account to much. Um, and you're going to miss Kirk Greenfield. Leave us so he can go watch Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you're going to pick up in the middle of a conversation, but that's what life is like for me all the time. Anyway, pull up a tall, cool one, sit back, and enjoy as Third Degree Burn presents Cocktails and Comics. Twenty-five, thirty miles inland as they elevate, as it goes up in elevation and starts to yeah. Yeah, can you guys hear but me the now? City itself, no. Yes, we, we can. Okay, I don't yes. know. This, I unplugged and plugged it back in. Maybe that was it. Okay, and you cannot spoil anything on One Division because no. David hasn't. Oh, I haven't. I'm. I haven't. I'm still behind. So I'm in the same boat. I haven't watched it. Alrighty. Well. And it's uh, not my well, fault, by the way. So I made my wife watch the first two episodes, and she basically punched the ticket and said, "I'm out." <laughs> and I said, please, just give it well, a chance. God, the, the thing is, the first two just are, are set up. And then after that, it gets, Why oh, no, my gosh. No. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <sighs> and she was like, nope, not for me. Which is a good segue into, you know, kind of what everybody's watching. And so, John, you know, Brian and I have been just flapping our gums here. What what are you watching in, in the Hyatt household? Oh, uh, well, WandaVision, of course. Oh, my gosh. That is such... I won't spoil anything, but, man, it's so good. Like, we talked last week, um, or last time, you know, yeah, a lot of people were like, ah, it's boring, I don't like the start, you know. It it just really takes off, and those first few episodes are just great setup, and the characters are interesting, so I'm really enjoying uh, this, and what the seeds that are getting planted, the characters getting put in place for the movies and other series and stuff, so I think, you know, Disney is doing a good job with this, so um, that's really good. Uh, We just finished watching on Netflix Blown Away, which is the Hmm. uh, glass-blowing competition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I watched that. that in our feed. I've seen it because we watch... uh... Uh, was it forged? Forged and fire. Forged and fire. Yeah. Yeah, I love that show. Like knives and swords and all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff. Yeah. So, okay, well, so blown, blown away is good. Yeah. No. Well, you know, it's an elimination competition, um, but you know, it's fun. To, or it's interesting to watch the creativity and the hard work. I mean, you really appreciate these 
these people who are creating things out of molten sand, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I see them doing all this stuff and I'm like, I, I just feel like I would be tempted to say, oh no, it's going to drip and I'm going to put my hand right. under there and, and burn it to the bones, you know, because right. it's just, you know, and, and it's just, some of that stuff is pulled like taffy, you know, and it's just, it's so cool to see them go through the process and then to see the finished product. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, we're really looking forward to I just saw the the previews for the new What If animated series and the Justice Society series that are coming out. So I'm really looking forward to those. I think that those will be pretty interesting. There was some Stargirl news this week, too. Yes. Some really yes. good Star Stargirl news. If you guys didn't hear it, I don't know if, if I mean, this is spoiler information or not, and it shouldn't be. All things considered, but oh, okay. uh, the casting news is that what you're yeah the talking? casting news yeah. they've cast John Wesley Ship as uh, as Jay Garrick the Flash. Yep. So yeah, cool. So that's awesome. Always always looking forward to, to some John Wesley Ship. And uh, well, uh, um, I was gonna yeah I said earlier that I watched the first episode of Clarice tonight, and that of course is the the you know based on the Silence of the Lambs. The, the Jodie Foster role of Clarice, Clarice Starling and the the girl they've got playing this uh, the character Clarice, Clarice. It, no she's really <laughs> really uh, good of course she's she's trying to pull off that that um, was it Memphis accent Jody, or whatever Jodie Foster talk from the side of your mouth yeah the, a little bit of the yeah just a, a step away from pool white trash <laughs> but uh, as Hannibal Lecter said it but no uh, it's it, it's definitely an engaging show and Michael Cudlitz uh, is what playing is that? Say that Michael, Cud- Michael Cudlitz. Excuse me, I was trying to stifle a belch. Um, he was Abraham on The Walking Dead, and he's oh, been okay. up over the years. Uh, I remember him way back in the days of Band of Brothers, and uh, he plays like the 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 guy that's basically her boss right now, the one that doesn't want her and doesn't want her, you know, going outside the lines or you know doing anything unusual. Okay, so, so what is the premise of the show? So I've seen the ads. I do have mm-hmm. CBS All Access, as we've talked about, you know, Discovery, and it's a year oh. after the apprehension of Buffalo Bill, like 1983. Oh. Okay. Okay. And uh, so Clarice has spent all of her time basically in the archives at the FBI, uh, hiding away from the rest of the world, suffering basically some form of PTSD. And uh, the if you were, you remember that like the state attorney general it was her daughter that got kidnapped by Buffalo Bill at the end of the right. Silence of the Lambs, and so she basically says, "Well, Clarice is the only person I'm going to trust in in a situation." So she brings her in on another case that looks to be a uh, a serial killer. And of course, nobody wants her there, and you know they obviously don't want her stepping on you know anybody's toes and going outside the lines and doing all the stuff that she did in the first movie, the movie that was successful. And you know she, of course, just has to play within the rules. So, like I said, Michael Cudlitz is in it. Cal Penn is also in it, but he hasn't said more than two words so far um, in the first episode. So I don't know what kind of role they're going to give him uh, in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the first episode was really, really good. And uh, But unfortunately, I guessed what was going on about 15 minutes before she figured it out. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it was just, you know, based on the information and the evidence that they'd shown, I'd, uh, I'd figured it out. So I'll, I'll wait and see if the, last, if the, the, the following episodes have a little bit more uh, 
more meat to them and, and can keep me guessing. Yeah, and I've, I've heard mixed res, you know reviews on that from coworkers who have watched it and said, eh. Yeah, you know, I've, heard, I've heard some that said it, weren't, it wasn't very good, but yeah, I had to watch kind it. Yeah, kind of boring. And I, again, I liked it, but it, it made me think of the... Um, there was a TV series that came out a couple years ago based on the movie Limitless. You know, the Brad Cooper movie where he takes drugs and gets really smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the movie was done in a very stylish, smart way. The person wrote it, and they wrote it to a point where it made sense that certain type of people, if they take the the, the drug, they would get as smart as they could get, but that doesn't mean that they're going right. to be genius level. Whereas if you give it to somebody that's already smart, they're going to get to an incredibly genius level. The problem was they had when they had the TV series is that the writers weren't as smart as the character was supposed to be. And so they couldn't write very, um, uh, you know, convincing stories of what a, a, an incredibly smart guy is supposed to be. And when you have a, a serial killer type situation, you're usually dealing with somebody this genius level. Right. And so it's going to be very hard for you know someone to keep that up. Again, I never watched a lot of the other serial killer shows. Like I still haven't watched Dexter, and I hear that I should. Yeah, we watched the kind of, first couple seasons, and it, you know, at some point it is going to go off the rails, and I'm sure yeah. Dexter did because it was on for what, how many six seasons, seven seasons? Yeah, and yeah. then the ending, I guess, was just trash. And I read somewhere I thought it was coming back for like a a one season kind of okay yeah, we're gonna I think they're, they're bringing uh, whatever the actor's name is uh, Michael C. Hall Michael C. Hall I think he's coming back it's like a you know like they with Fuller House where they brought the original cast back and they yeah and that kind of thing I think they are gonna do something with him but it's because they bungled the ending so bad they pissed every fan of that show off um, is what I heard and, and so it's, it's kind of like Firefly you know it's like okay we've got this opportunity let's you know put put the right kind of ending on it um, I my wife and I were glued to him in uh, Six Feet Under if you watch that on HBO this was I don't know gotta be 15 it's years ago now it's a while back yeah um, he was really good at that and that show had a great ending um I'm not going to ruin it, but it really was a, a fitting ending for that kind of show. Uh, we're watching, so we just wrapped up. We watched Perry Mason on HBO Max. So this is this is a, a show that takes uh, the Perry Mason character and and sets uh, the stage for you know, well, how did he become right the Perry Mason? Um, that we all know, and uh, it's set in 19, early 1930s. We get one episode where they say it's 1932, but he serves in World War One, and his life was kind of a hot mess, disaster after um, coming back from the war, and um, you know he really has no family to speak of, and uh, it fo- you know it's like a nine-episode series, very well done, great acting, great costuming. Um, it's got John Lithgow in it, um, as well as several other actors that you'll know uh, from like Boardwalk Empire, who are in it. Really, really good show. Um, we did start The Lady in the Dale, which was a documentary series about the Dale car. And it was just too insane for my wife, even though it's a documentary. <laughs> the person's oh life was just too nuts for her. So she no, checked did- you know, did she watch like the Joe Exotic 
documentary. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 this is too wild for her. I guess you know, and I don't know <laughs> if it's, it's too wild or you know, kind of boring. You know, she says it's because you know, Tiger not King enough. was a car wreck, dumpster fire wrapped up in an enigma. Right. Right. Well, it took, I asked her today. I said, "Well, why didn't you like it?" And she said, "Well, oh, excuse me. I wanted more in-person interviews. You know, not the little animation style that they use to kind of um, show past events." Oh. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting. So we skipped that and went to "It's a Sin," which is also on HBO Max, and it's about. Um, 80s, uh, 19, early night. Well, it starts in 1981, and it's it, you know follows a group of uh, you know young gay men as well as you know their friends during the beginnings of the AIDS epidemic in London. And it's very interesting. It's um, uh, written by and directed by who is the uh, the really good Doctor Who writer and director Moffat, Stephen Moffat, Moffat, Stephen Moffat. Yep. Um, so really great writing, you know, uh, great actors. I read an article after we watched the the first couple episodes where the whole cat, you know, he would only cast actors that were actually gay um, to keep it, you know, authentic, right? And one straight straight people playing gay characters, and so it's very interesting. I mean, it's hard to watch because some of the characters, of course, don't don't believe that you know AIDS is real and it's an American thing and it's made up and it's this and that and um, it, you know it's it's hard to, to believe that people thought that way but I understand it uh, you know obviously when I was growing up the one that really hit home when I was in school was the case of Ryan White where he got um, HIV through a blood transfusion you know, so through you know, no fault of his own, he was he was a kid, and he got expelled from school because there was mass hysteria that just him drinking from the water fountain, right, could could give other children, you know, HIV. And uh, but yeah, it's a really good show. Obviously, great costuming. You know, you feel like it's the 1980s. Every episode goes forward two years in time, and it's just interesting as as they are learning more information, you know, how, uh, you know, their kind of world is being turned upside down. You know, there was a, a TV series on HBO that was lasted three seasons, and they only intended it for three seasons, um, called The Deuce. Were you all familiar with that series at all? I've heard it. We watched heard some of it. It was, it was a very, very gritty series about the the deuce which is basically uh, a, a certain area of Times Square back in New York in the late 70s early 80s and it was just yeah of course you know a lot of that was you know hookers pimps uh, the and the porno uh, theaters that were around there and uh, starred James Franco amongst uh, and and um, what's her name uh, did he play, uh, was he the bartender he was he was the bartender bar owner and then of course yeah. um, um, uh, Rachel from uh, the Dark Knight uh, golly I can't remember her name to save my life right now no. Rachel McAdams no no no, no it's, the, the, it's uh, um, Hall. Maggie Gyllenhaal yeah yeah Ma- Maggie, oh, yeah. Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal that's right yeah Maggie Gyllenhaal was uh, she <laughs> was one of the stars and she was also a producer uh, on the series and it was a hard look at that of course they had 
multiple bars and some of them were gay bars yep. and you had a large gay population in this and of course it was the very beginning of, of, of the AIDS epidemic where they, they showed the people as they started getting going through that and in the number of the characters the the, the series is really hard hitting and it's very it, I mean it's kind of like Hill Street Blues but R rated almost I don't know if you guys ever paid any attention to Hill Street Blues back in the day but um, it was it was a very good series, and also gave a, a, a piece of that, though not as as, as hard as what, what you're talking about. What Moffat's done with his show there, yeah, it's 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 brutal in ways, and, and at times, right, it's very celebratory of you know being a young adult. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's there's the shadow following them, and you know we'll see how the the story progresses. You know, we're only two into it. Um, you know, we've had a couple characters that have not not main characters, but tertiary characters who have died from AIDS. But there's no acknowledgement that it's AIDS, right? It's at the time it's they, they think it's you know some kind of cancer or it's something else. You know, they're not attributing it to AIDS. Who is you know, that? HIV AIDS. It's, Who's that, Tim? These are my two new acquisitions. Let me get the other one out here. He's, he's, he's got bobbleheads. Roy Batty bobbleheads, and that's yeah, Decker. Yeah, yeah. It's no, Decker and Roy Batty. Cool. <laughs> Funko Pops. Yep. I've seen things you people wouldn't <laughs> understand. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, oh. hey, I, I forgot to mention, I'm also watching Resident e- uh, Alien with Resident Alan Tudyk. That looks watched. funny, but I haven't watched I haven't. it. Is it pretty good? It's, it, is, it is funny. It's really good. Really good. It's on Hulu. We discovered. Uh, I had heard about it. I never watched it. A coworker of mine said he watched it all the time. The Great British Bake Show, baking show. It's on Netflix. Yep. I watched that. Yeah, and we we blew through the whole first season yesterday and today. And it's hard to watch <laughs> if you're on a diet because they whatever they, everything they cook up is just <laughs> looks fabulous. It's a lot of fun. That yeah. Well, Tim, what's your drink of choice tonight? Yeah. Well. Mine is just uh, Dr. Pepper because I am on taking muscle relaxants and I don't think I'm supposed to mix alcohol with those. So, mm. okay, so you're um, on muscle relaxers, so you're going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you, no. The directions say it will enhance your high, mm. so you definitely should drink. And it makes me makes <laughs> it makes me sleepy anyway. But I put a little. <laughs> I started because I can never find uh, Diet Dr. Pepper vanilla. Or cherry vanilla, so we buy that um, Tarani liquid uh, the right. flavor, and I just put a little lemon in it. I mean, a little lemon, a little mm. vanilla in it, and it tastes just like it. Mm. Probably better for you. Probably. <laughs> well, you know, let's. Uh, I'll Tim. I want to give you an opportunity. So you, you said you're watching the Great British Bake Off. Anything else that you're you're watching that you'd recommend to folks? Uh. Let's see that not you aren't watching. Um, I'm watching One Division, but I'm behind on that. Uh, what else am I watching? I've been trying to watch the the new Star Blazers, twenty one ninety nine. That's on Funimation. Oh, I'm behind really? on that. Yeah. Uh, I gotta get that for my son to watch because it's cheap. It's like it's like five bucks a month. It's pretty cheap. We we've got Funimation. Yeah. Uh, what else am I watching? I've been wa- well. I watch a lot of if I'm working or doing something. I watch a lot of Pluto, Pluto TV, which is a free it's a channel that you can get on like an Apple TV or probably Roku, and it's a it's free. It has ads, but they've got a 
an MST channel. So they play mm. Mission Science Theater 24 hours. They have a Mission Impossible, <laughs> but they play that 24 hours. They play classic Doctor Who 24 hours. So I'm flipping back and forth between watching those all the time. But, um, That's just fun. Yeah, Fanula's been watching more original stuff. She's kind of been watching a show on, I think it's Netflix, called Firefly Lane. And it's got um, mm-hmm. the girl that played this... The girl that played the second daughter on Roseanne, you know, when they replaced the first actress, the second actress that came on? <laughs> I don't know her name. She's in it, and it's also got... Oh, her. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's also got the... That's well, Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl. The main star of that. Yeah, yeah it's her and the other woman. I can't watch her in anything because I just... I heard too much about her. She just... Her and her mother were a, a terror on pretty much anything that she was in. And then if she didn't like the way the movie represented her, she'd talk bad about the movie afterwards. Well. So, But my wife's been watching that one. I, I, I know this because I wake up in the middle of the night and the episodes are playing while she's falling asleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been watching Sorry. some... Uh, this, will, this, will, uh, this is more towards Chris than you, but... I've been watching, rewatching a lot of my Godzilla films because I've been watching with commentary. Yeah. So oh, I watched, wow. I watched uh, Godzilla, Ghidra, uh, Mothra, all monsters attack last night before wow. I fell asleep at yeah, the end I, of it. I was saying I wanted to sit back and, and watch the legendary films. You know, start off with King Kong. I mean, Kong Skull Island. Because mm-hmm. my wife watched it a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't able to sit down and watch the whole movie. I got to see a couple of the scenes I like, but I wanted to watch the, the whole thing to see if there's anything else there to miss and, and, and to not miss, you know, the, the little behind the scenes stuff that we keep finding. Um, if you pay enough attention yeah, Wait, as we, so, as we get so ready Tim, for the con. Tim, are you watching the, the original Godzilla movies like from the fifties and sixties and seventies, mm-hmm. or you're watching the ones that just started like in the nineties or two thousands. He, he's going to tell you about different eras. He's going to yeah. talk Showa era. There's th- yeah, there's <laughs> three there's three eras for Godzilla. There's Showa era, which is 54 to 75. There's the uh, Heisei era, which is from 84 to 95. And then uh, there's the Millennium era, which is all those. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I've been watching the, the one I watched last night was from 2005, I think. 2003. What's, the, what's that podcast that... I listened to it, and I, I haven't... Earth Destruction Directive. Earth Destruction Directive, yeah. yes. There's another good one called KaijuCast. That they're the ones that do the commentaries, <laughs> and I listen to that. I'm going to have to check that one out. I'm always looking for a good commentary on War of the Gargantuas, which is they have one. My, favorite kai, my favorite kaiju movie. They do have one. I, I volunteered to... Um, uh, on one of Luke's... Either his latest one or the one right before... He was saying nobody wanted to come on and do uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World with him. So oh, I immediately I, didn't even know. I immediately wrote to him and said, hey, you know, if that slot's available when you do it, I, I volunteer right now. He said, okay, great. So whenever, hopefully, I'll, I can guest star on that one. He, he can bring me in, too, if he wants to. Hey, I'd don't, love to do that. Don't hog my guest star. No, no, no. I just sit there <laughs> behind you and then just say, <laughs> say things to you so you could say it to him. Well, since we're talking about TV and film... Um, so it was, you know, uh, reported this week that the Punisher and Jessica Jones, right, which were hit TV uh, series on, uh, I say TV for lack of a better term, but streaming service series 
on Netflix, those rights have reverted back to Marvel. And so we could get the Punisher or Jessica Jones popping up in See. one of the future Marvel shows, as has been reported that Charlie Cox, who was a great Daredevil mm-hmm. uh, in the Netflix show, he will be making a cameo or some kind of appearance in Spider-Man uh, 3 hmm. with Tom Holland. Well, I see, as I thought, Daredevil. see, I thought when they did the Netflix shows that meant that Marvel had the rights back because they made mention or they tried to tie it into the movies. So I thought they already had those rights back, but... They did not. It's a trickle-down thing based on when the shows premiered. Yep. Yeah. So you've got, you know, basically, we still have Iron Fist that needs to fall back to them. Um, Well, looking at the article that um, Dave sent, it was... They couldn't use them for two years after the cancellation of the show. So, oh, yep. maybe that was it. So okay, I, they... I got to break. I got to break in for just a, a burn-related thing. Did you all know that his father was a lord? No, lord, John, lord, John lord Burns. Burns' father was John Burns' father was Lord Rushton. Hmm. By the way, now, my wife my wife made me a lord for my birthday on Valentine's Day. Which <laughs> happy belated birthday, John? I, as we shared in text. I've only known one other person that had a birthday on Valentine's Day. Now I know two. Yeah, i I haven't known I haven't known any I haven't personally known anyone that's had a Valentine's birthday. So I was really surprised when I saw that on Facebook. I was like, "What, David? Oh my gosh!" <laughs> well, especially if you know, two guys are on the same podcast. That's unusual. Yeah. What are the yeah. odds? Now, yeah. now, what ages? Are, I mean, David, I know you're in your forties. John, how old are you again? Um, fifty six now. Fifties. Okay, so you're you're okay. You were born a year before me. Yeah, he's a. Is it like two days later? I was like, I was like, are you just two days younger than me? But no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what's even weirder is three out of what five people on this podcast have birthdays within two days of each other. And Tim's is just uh, what a couple further days days further away. Yeah, yeah. Mine's like like January, but <laughs> my my brother and I are ours are about ten days apart. So. It's, it's weird. Me, yeah, that me just meant sister. your parents were consistent when they had their <laughs> annual trips. Yeah, that's well, so me and my sister, <laughs> my youngest sister, same thing. Um, we're a few days apart, but nine years apart oh. in, in our actual birthdays. But yeah, my wife, because as she says, you know, I can't get you anything because you already have everything. It's like, well, I'm 42. There's not a lot of stuff I need at this point in my life. She <laughs> fell for the, uh, what was it, the Scottish or Irish... Uh, thing you see where you can buy, you know, uh, several feet, and they will bestow upon you the the lord designation oh. because you own mm. property in Scotland. So she she bought five of their little things. So I have a five foot by one foot foot strip in Scotland, I think it is, and now I am Lord Lord David. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which, do I have which, to call you Lord David now? Do I have to, yes, have to genuflex yes. when you come into the room? Or I had to look it up because I thought I had read an article that said, you know, as a U.S. citizen, you can't be given a title, right, of, of Lord or, or any of those type of things. But you actually can. What it says is that states cannot grant those titles to American citizens. So, And, and see, that's the thing is is, is that in, in John Burns' case is that his father was of course Lord Rushton for for that when he passed away did the title pass on to John himself does that that work that way 
Well, and that's the thing. You know, he said, you know, basically, um, you know, he, he had always believed that since you, um, what, what, what David was saying there, that, you know, Americans can't get that and Byrne is an American citizen. Uh, but there's still different ways that he could still be counted that. They just, he hasn't looked into it to see what's happened or he's got a title or not. He but, should uh, be able I, to I receive to the title because it would be by his birthright to be given the title. Mm-hmm. What the, what the, the laws stipulate is that the states cannot give out those titles. So like the state of Minnesota could not name me a lord. Right. But I could receive that designation or that title from a foreign government. Well, and you think so, he would because I don't know about Great Britain. I know Ireland recognizes dual citizenship. And if yeah. Great Britain does, then he would have American and British citizenship. According to well, them. the question. Didn't he also have, didn't he have, did he have Canadian citizenship at one time? Or was, was he just only, living there? That was there? only when he was drawing Alpha Flight. <laughs> <laughs> So the question I had when my wife gave this to me, because of course I'm like, you know, oh, this is really cool, because I've seen it for years. And I said, well, wait, does that mean that you're a lady? Because you're married to me, so if I'm a lord, does that automatically make you a lady? Isn't that I, how I, it works? I think so. It just, it's just, I, yeah. I, I, it's funny. I remember the movie Patriot Games. I also read the book, but I remember the movie <laughs> And there's a scene where they tell they tell uh, Jack Ryan, you know, that uh, the Queen is made a, you know, is going to give him a special award, and he will be, you know, Lord John, whatever, you know, whatever they they gave him, what order they gave him. And so it's like they're sitting there for a moment, and she just kind of leans over to him with that that kind of giddy smile, and she goes playfully, she goes, you know, Sir John, and then he says lady ryan and all of a sudden it just dawns on her and she just kind of straightens up and starts drinking the champagne <laughs> well that's weird because in the you're talking about the harrison ford film right yes right yes. in the first film uh hunt for Red october for some reason they made his wife british and she's not they they it was they Gates really messed things yeah. around by doing the hunt for it october first they should have done patriot games first and and let him get his english uh um, golly, what do you call it? Basically, he, well, no, no, no. The the thing is, is that because of Jack's uh, what what he did with the English there, uh, he worked very well with their uh, intelligence. And so, in the books, you know that that you know that was one of the things that Jack always had was he had a very friendly relationship with British intelligence. But in the movies, they did them out of order so that Jack was a nobody to them for the hunt for Red October, which you know doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, they just did the the, uh, the hunt for Red October is the first book, so they just did the first right. book, and then he did later Patriot Games. But um, mm-hmm. it's funny because the thing is, if you if you read the book Hunt for Red October, when he's dealing, he gets on board a Harrier in the back of a Harrier, and the Harrier pilots. Aren't you the Jack Ryan that, yes, I am? You know, and they really didn't go into it, but they let you know that there was something behind it. Yeah. And when the uh, Admiral was talking to the captain of the Enterprise, and, you know, basically he tells them all about that as well. So, because, you know, Clancy already had that, you know, ready, or he'd already written the book uh, of Patriot Games. So it was already there as part of the history, at least. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. Hmm. Hunt for Red October. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Which is still the best Scott. film. This, I think, still the best adaption 
uh, of his books, and I, I, I always felt is it that adaption or adaptation? It's adaptation. Yes. It's adaptation. No, it's adaptation, it, right? It depends on who says it. It is. And it's it depends adaptation. on their choice. Yes. Uh, hey, I just want to speak proper English. <laughs> it's adaptation. Well, you're a lord now. You have you to speak proper English. Say aluminium and shul. I'm sorry, not shul. <laughs> Schedule. Schedule. Uh, yeah, a, word, a word you learned in shul. And he's going to go on holiday. <laughs> you're sitting in your flat right now. I've always heard it pronounced adaptation. It is adaptation. I, I misspoke. Okay. <laughs> anyway. And I no, think... but I've, I've heard other people say it as adaption, and I'm like, no, it's adaptation. Am I, am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I prefer to say adaptation, but I've heard the other way as well. And as a social chameleon, I usually find myself adjusting to whoever I'm talking to. Hmm. Well, moving along, so we had the Mortal Kombat trailer released this week. This is another uh, highly anticipated movie. Now, maybe for some it's not, but for people like me that were playing video games in the arcade who were of of that right age, 11, 12 years old when Mortal Kombat came out, this game, like, it changed people's worlds. And my fourteen-year-old son had a geekasm when he saw the trailer. So, oh, it, okay, kids, looks they are, yeah, it looks yeah. great, but ultra violent. Um, if I've, you've seen yeah. the Red Man trailer, it looks really violent. Yeah, I watched it, which fits and, the Mortal Kombat universe. I mean, Mortal Kombat is not a game that shied away from violence. If anything, I actually find victory. myself recoiling a little Excellent. bit of the. T- the new games, the fatalities are just so over the top, and the graphics are have come such a long way that I now I know. Feel like I know, that, but still, in the mid '90s, seeing somebody get their spine ripped out was still right. kind of jarring, you know. Or their head punched off. I think that's what they want to do, so they can show all those fatalities, all those. But I, I, I'll, I'll say that that the original Mortal Kombat movie from '95 is still one of those guilty pleasures I love to put in every now and then. It's that's, not, it's that's not a, a bad it's movie. A fun it's movie. just a no, product it's, of its time. Not for a not for a video game adaptation. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, uh, yes. compared to to Probably other stuff. Probably one of the best video yeah. game adaptations they put out. Well, okay, Dave, if you're if you're uh, very familiar, I mean, I I've played Mortal Kombat as best I can, but I, I'm a I'm a button masher. I just if I beat you up, it's only because I hit the right button accidentally. I'm I'm not a skillful player. You jump kick me and sweep me to death. Yeah, I just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what I was doing, but uh, and I've got the newest one because I got it. It was real, it was pretty cheap, and I got it for Xbox One, and it's the latest one. I think I picked it up mainly because you can play as Michael Robo-Cop. Meyer. No, yep. well maybe, but I think he Robo-Cop, plays Michael Myers. You got Stallone, yeah, you Stallone, got Rambo, Terminator. <laughs> it's but, pretty crazy. Who is the? Uh, well, the the I watched the the trailer, and the, the this main character's name is. Um, the guy they come to has got the tattoo. He says, "What? Where's that birthmark you've had?" And his name was like uh, Con yeah, or a rebranded Johnny Cage. Yeah. So yeah, so I figured I, I didn't recognize that name, so I don't know who that was. No, Everybody else looked totally, totally different. Which doesn't doesn't really make any sense because, like you like you were saying, you know, they specifically call out Liu Kang, Sub Zero, Scorpion. You've got Raiden. You have uh, the guy with the metal arms. 
yep, you got Jax. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, when that was announced, and that's been known for quite a while, people were doing a head scratch and going, huh? Yeah, but Johnny what? Cage wouldn't be the kind of guy you would, I mean, he wouldn't be your through character, would you? Wouldn't it be uh, Luke, Luke Kang? Now, Luke Kang's a bad guy, right? No, he's not. Okay. Um, they're kind of your, your, the original cast of characters was uh, three, four, five, six, seven. I had to, I had to see the, the character select screen in my head and count them. <laughs> there were seven uh, heroes of Earthrealm that uh, went to, yeah. to defend it from <laughs> Shao Kahn. Right. Shao Kahn and was, now is Gung Lo, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Shang Tsung? No, Gung Lo. Think oh, he was you mean Kung guy. Lao? Kung Lao, yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> Kung Lao. I'm going off of the 95 movie. When he was talking about it. Like I, the, I've got no like old person like, Yeah, yeah, I'm hip. He I was that Kung Lao. <laughs> he was thinking Gung Ho. That's a that's a GI yeah. joke. No, but I, I took my nephew to see Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and that was an abomination. Yeah, uh, when it came out, you know, and again, you know, the the the, the spoiler for you know thirty or twenty five year old movie uh, to kill Johnny Cage within the first five minutes, and I was just like, okay, I'm ready to leave. Yeah, <laughs> popcorn's <laughs> not even cold yet. Yep. Um. Yes, Kung Lao is a good character. He showed up in Mortal Kombat two. Now he is supposed to be, I believe, an ancestor to Liu Kang, or at least that's part, right. Yeah, that's right. Part of the same. Um, you know, clan that Liu Kang is in. Right, it's on the side of light. Yes. Well, what I like about the the original, the, the is it ninety five, the original mm-hmm. movie, that yeah. they they, because I had seen my nephews play it. I think the maybe the first one on on the PlayStation. So I was kind of familiar with the characters, and then that film they took uh, Raiden out, and he became more as an advisor. He wasn't a participant. You know, he was just right. kind of the. Uh, advisor uh, played wonderfully by uh, Chris Lambert, but <laughs> but I thought why do that? Because I want I, I, he was kind of my favorite character to play when I would play it. But there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what happened. You're the, you're the Highlander. In your own realm. <laughs> you become. <laughs> well, uh, the other the other news we got was, and I had to shake my head at this. And I know part of this is like the get off my lawn thing. But it was announced that they're doing a Running Man remake with Edgar Wright, though. With with Edgar Wright as director and, this, and mm-hmm. co-scripting with Michael Bacall. <sighs> Why? Why? Well, I read the I read some of those articles. I read a few of them, and you told me that because I kind of wanted to be I wanted to be hip with what was you guys were talking about. So because <laughs> I had heard I had heard that. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be able to talk what you kids were talking. No. Uh, and I don't know if Edgar Wright's good for them. I mean, I like Edgar Wright as a director. I'm not sure if he's right for that film. Was um, he the original one that was originally attached to Ant-Man? He was. And then walked away? Yeah. Uh, I think he needs a, like, a lot of... Because uh, he's used to kind of, kind of, kind of doing his own... All the stuff he does with Simon Pegg are his own creations. So he's kind of used to having a lot, a lot of control. And I think what a lot of directors wind up when they get into the Marvel system it's like yeah you can be do your own film but you have to do it in these parameters because we got things we got to keep in line so but I, it said that they're going to keep it much the closer the sequel to Baby Driver got killed thanks to Kevin Spacey and the um, 
the actor to play Baby's also gotten himself kind of blackballed. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know there was going to be a, a sequel to that, but... It, it begged for a sequel. I mean, that... Well, I know the Kevin Spacey thing was, was heard it when I think it came to Oscar time, but... Um, mm-hmm. uh, this one is supposedly... Who all here has read the, the book, The Running Man? I have not, and I know where you're going with this. It said, well, we're going to follow the book. Right. It's going to follow the book closer. The book is, is quite different from Schwarzenegger's uh, film. And I think it'll work as long as they don't get too... Uh, because they're doing it now, and that book I think was written in '82. Uh, they don't get too political with it, and try to. You, you know, know, the first get... one though, the first one would not have been the success it is without Arnold and without Richard Dawson. Yeah. Without those, it would have been a pure B movie that nobody would have gone to see. Well, that... and that and that's my issue with it is, you've got. You know, Jesse, the body Ventura, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger in there, you've got Richard Dawson, and Jim you know, Brown, many other Jim Brown. You know, mm-hmm. you've got so many great people in that movie. And, you know, I had to look it up because I'm like, is it really that old, you know, to be yeah. on the list for a remake? And it's, it's, I had to do a double take when it said 1987. And I'm going, holy crap, am I getting old? That movie's 33 years old. Mm. But, you know, we, we had a total recall reboot oh, horrible with, uh, movie. Colin Farrell, um, mm-hmm. which supposedly that movie stayed closer to the book, and I liked it, but it is a totally different movie than the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. Yeah, and that had, what, Kate Beckinsale and Brian Cranston, and, yep. and I'm sorry, you may, you may have liked it, but... I mean, it's one of those movies. You know, the thing is that for me, the 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 earmark of a of a movie that is really really good is something that's got a lot of rewatchability. And I have never had any incline to go back and watch that movie again. And it only made like what fifty eight million here in the U S. on a budget of one hundred twenty five million. And I think it made a total of about two hundred million all alt alt hold. So I mean, it didn't can even. You, make, can you what? think of any movies off the top of your head where they did a remake and it way surpassed the original? Uh, you know that there, there actually is not one I can think off the top of my head. Right. Well, I, I didn't think it was great, but I would think success-wise, I think it's go with King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong. It was probably as big as the original. Uh, it wasn't. You know, the critics loved it. I, I thought it was long and it, something. It didn't do didn't work. the money in the theater that it really should have. Uh, and and I, I think I attribute that to being too long and to having, to, you know, I mean, because it took, you know, the King Kong, the original movie, if you watch that, that is a fast-paced, well, you know, yeah, 90 moment minutes. after moment yeah. after moment. It's 90 yeah. minutes, and it moves like clockwork. And if you watch the the Peter Jackson one, they take every scene and they balloon it up, they decompress mm-hmm. it, and then of course they add they in Jack that Black. they ha- they add in that bug scene it's the new down 52. at the bottom of the ravine that would just went on bad. Did you say, John? It's the new Fifty Two. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Jackson because Jackson loves the original. Think in fact, I think he has the original Kong armature skeleton from that film. Right. Right, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I got no problem with that. I thought it, it was a very well done movie, and it was, and and I, I take nothing away from Jack Black and his performance, Adrian Brody, who 
in that movie in Predators, they make him an action hero, kind of, which I'm like, Adrian Brody, really? I like the but, movie Predators, by the way. Yeah, I do too. But I do I like do anything too. set in the Alien or Predator universe. I'm not a hard sell. Hmm. Well, come on, you throw a guy out of an airplane, and that's how you wake up in the, at the beginning of the movie. That's awesome. Right. And then you got Danny Trejo in it. Hey. <laughs> Well, the 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 bug scene was the notorious scene that supposedly was filmed, and by Willis O'Brien, they cut it out because of time, and it's been lost. Nobody, they've only seen her sketches of it. And actually, one of the uh, one of the worm creatures did show up later in the Black Scorpion, which Willis O'Brien did the animation for. You see Ed fight a scorpion, so it's one of his models that he kept and brought into that film. But I think King Kong suffers a lot from. Uh, the same with the Hobbit films it suffers from Jackson after he did the Lord of the Rings and he was so hot and he was probably given a lot of carte blanche for do whatever you want and he just I thought King Kong was to your point it was it was long it was bloated uh, I thought Adrian Brody and uh, Naomi Watts they had zero chemistry together well she um, had great chemistry with the ape though well <laughs> who does it with Andy Serkis right True, true, true. Uh, I'll throw one for you. How about the thing? Uh, not the well, the thing. Although it's been, it wasn't John po- Carpenter's. It, right, it wasn't popular at the time, but it's been reevaluated. So now people think it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Or Cronenberg's uh, The Fly. I think that was as popular as the original 1958. Uh, you know, in in Cronenberg's The Fly is so disturbing. Mm-hmm. On so many levels, just you know what it because it, it brings about some concepts and ideas about teleportation that just really still to this day mess with my mind. Um, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting shivers just it's thinking about he, that one. He now. put that biofilter in there like they have in Star Trek. That wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, the Eisenberg <laughs> compensator. And, yeah, yeah. Someone said, uh, yeah. I mean, the 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 fly was basically an example of someone uh, building the transport and working the bugs out. <laughs> so, <laughs> or working the bugs in. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, um, and I'll change subjects a little bit. You know, I had been going through this massive binge uh, in my spare time of the Clone War, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels. And after I finished those two, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and watch uh, Rogue One. And then I watched Solo. And, you know, the thing is, is each time I watch it, I'm finding that I'm like, can this scene be over? There was a couple scenes in Solo that just didn't, I, I didn't care for. But, um, you know, Solo is definitely the weakest of all the Star Wars movies at this point in in my mind after that rewatch of, of all that but I need to go back and, and my, I know my wife and I want to do a sit down of the uh, of all the all three trilogies and kind of give those another look at but um, I, you know the thing is is that I had never uh, watched the Clone Wars all the way through and I'd never watched much of Rebels really and watching those I think that they are just awesome and they, they, of course, enhance the story on the, uh, the Mandalorian. And uh, it excites me more towards the next you know, season if we do get a next season. I, I was saying I saw a rumor or heard a rumor that there may be no season three and that uh, uh, 
Pablo, uh, uh, what's Pedro he, Pascal. Pedro, not Pedro walk away. He's not going to walk away from that paycheck. <clears throat> uh, he no. The thing is, is that is that he may have put them in a position to fire him. Oh, great! Because it, now he, may, he may be. <laughs> and, and again, I haven't. I have not been looking into this because it's just one of those things I hate. But apparently, uh, he may have put a tweet out or something that put his support behind Gina Carano, who was fired for putting out some very uh, horrid. Yes. Uh, tweets and uh, other things in social media that were just, you know, she's been drinking the the, the Trump Kool-Aid. Yeah, and, these, act, these actors and producers and all these other folks in, in Hollywood need to delete their dang Twitter accounts. There's well, been you know, that thing good is, that so, so she's, she's not going to be in The Mandalorian going forward, that's for sure. Yeah. But she's already got work. Because yeah, no, but she was right, supposed to have right, a spinoff series, and that right. got pulled. Right, but the 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 right wing engine that's out in Hollywood now has hired her for her own thing out there with them. Yeah, on the Ben Shapiro network or whatever that is. Well, whatever on, it is going to be, hey, that's it's a work, joke. You know. Yeah, that's, that's not, not that's not that's Hollywood. Not, that's not. Yeah, that's not a Disney paycheck. No. So, um, did you? So I'm going to switch it back to the topic a little bit. Uh, for season three, I mean, yeah, I know it's called The Mandalorian, but man, they, they introduced Grogu so early. It was like The Mandalorian and Grogu. With <laughs> him gone. It was with him and gone. Club. Hey, what? he's not gone forever. Look, yes, that, but, story, that story is not done. We know that. You well, yeah, we know. That. So what? Do you think season three would skip forward, you know, some years and, and pick up with a teenage Grogu or... No, no. Here's a, co- a couple things that we know that <laughs> He's are going to have a bunch of pimples and like a, <laughs> well, yeah, my a thing forehead is, mustache. What, what, kind of like Groot at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two. Yeah. Well, my thing is like, what would season three be about? I mean, season one and two was all about getting Grogu to the Jedi's. Yeah, but okay. Wait, wait, the thing is, Dinjarin earned the 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 black saber. All right. Yes. And in many ways, that makes him heir to the throne of yeah. Mandalore. And, oh, okay. cool. <clears throat> and, and of course, yeah, uh, Bo-Katan is not happy about that. But the thing is, is over the series in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, you know, uh, I don't remember from Rebels for sure. Definitely in Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. And in Rebels, she was offered the, the Darksaber several times. She goes, no, I haven't won it. I haven't, you know, earned it. And, you know, you can tell that that's what she wants to do, but she's not in a position to. And now... Uh, Din Djarin has it, and he earned it. Yep. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing that I think we've all talked about, or we've talked about a couple times on our only four four uh, episodes in here to our cocktails and comics is we like the fact that it's there's there is a overarching uh, narrative that's happening within the show, but each episode is like a one and done, right? They go to a planet, they do a thing, and then they get another piece of information and they move on. Right. You know, so there's no reason that that formula, even without Regu, Kroku, <laughs> I, I, I cannot believe, and I'm just going to go on a tangent here for a moment, that after the Disney execs, because it's been widely reported that they were all caught off guard with how popular that character was. I mean, there was no merchandising in the pipeline because they, they had no idea that, that, you know, baby Yoda was going to be so popular 
Nah, I got I got a, a call bull on that. Um, they did. They begged to put merchandising out there, and Favreau said, "You guys gave me control. You guys said I could do this, and I'm telling you, now, we are not revealing that, you know, with a toy or anything until he's revealed on the show." And but so th- they they, they gave they, in. They could have had it sitting in warehouses in China, and nobody would have known the difference. Nah, they would have. They would, yeah. word would have gotten out. Well, what about between season one and two? Okay, he, you right. know, he's he's first season. You, you can't reveal him in ahead of time. But they had all that time, or at least yep. halfway through season one, they they could tell that hey, this guy's popular. They start pumping out plush toys so that when season two comes around, you can flood the market with them. Yeah, because it's. I just started watching it with my kids, and I forgot. It's like the second or third episode into the first season, we get introduced to the quote unquote the child, mm-hmm. um, later known as you know Rogu, Ragu, Prego, whatever <laughs> you know spaghetti sauce flavor you want to throw at it. Yeah. Um, Making me hungry. <sighs> oh, but let's let's be honest. So, 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 so let me get my soapbox for one second. So Tim, they've had two years to come up with a name for this character and they, <laughs> and they pick Rogu uh oh I have a John's got John. it I've got two I've got one with uh, the Mandalorian and one with the child in the little pot mint in the box just like stinky Pete yep yeah. yeah. but you're telling me they couldn't come up with a better name in two years give me a break you have Yoda, and it was Yaddle, right? In the Yad- Yaddle's, Yaddle's pretty bad. <laughs> Yaddle is pretty bad. So it's like it's like it's like it keeps going down. It's Yoda, Yaddle, Ragu, Rogu, Rogu. Horrible, horrible. But let's be honest. If it ran a third season with him still trying to get, uh oh, Kirk is back. A third season with him hey, trying. Saturday Live runs an hour. Kirk runs an hour or an hour and a half. How are you back? Can't hear you. Can't hear you, Kirk. Can't hear you. They just finished Weekend Update, which was the best. It's not a good show tonight, but mm-hmm. uh, Weekend Update was good. So I thought I'd come down and, and check you guys out, see if you were still talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we're That's still not talking. rude, is it? No. To, to walk out on a podcast and come somebody, back. Well, somebody <laughs> just left for a refill, right? That was is, me. Is everybody back? So, so we just assume yeah. Kirk... If this was at a restaurant, you just went and dropped a monster dump. You were gone for 45 <laughs> minutes, and now you're back. Or he ran out of the check. Yeah. <laughs> well, dine and dash. I ran out of my drink. <laughs> but Or he, he was banging the waitress and had performance issues. <laughs> <laughs> how many, did I really how many rounds have you guys had while I've been gone? Oh, three or four. Couple. Hey, I'm, I'm... We're to- we're, we, we, we were talking currently about how the Mandalorian had, you know, a year plus to ramp up toys, and they didn't because they were uh, caught off guard of the popularity of the character. Brian doesn't believe that's true, that it's something with, to do with Jon Favreau. And now we're talking about the, the horrible naming of that character, who they knew two years, you know, a year and a half in advance of how popular it was, and they came up with the name Rogu, which is awful. Like the spaghetti sauce? Rogu? I said Ragu, <laughs> yep. That's the first, as soon as his name was revealed by, uh... uh Ragu's his father. 
Yeah, I know. Ragu and Prego. I'm yeah, Rogu, son of Ragu. Yep. With uh, mushroom. <laughs> mushroom and well, garlic. Well, what if well, they I did... I agree. <laughs> they, they really missed the boat without, you know, toy marketing or, or merchandising. But I think that was a conscious choice for some reason. They didn't want to let the cat out of the bag to begin with. But can you believe the the uh, Mr. P- Master Pandora... Pandor- What's his name? Master Pan Pandemonium, and the realistic hands that they had on WandaVision. I mean, I couldn't believe I saw that clip, and it's like this CG animation. It's just incredible. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Is he giving you fake spoilers? (laughs) Stop it! I will mute you permanently. <laughs> well, okay. Let me ask Let's, you this, this guys. We're talking about the Mandalorian. Right. Would would and I, and I and what I was trying to say was I think if it ran a third season where he's still trying to get uh, the kid to uh, a Jedi, oh. then we get kind of tired of it because like okay, let's get on to something else. But would you watch a show if it was just a show that was just set in the Star Wars universe? It was take call it like um, Tales from Star Wars or something stupid like that, and. It doesn't have this. It's more of an anthology. It ha, it's just a uh, each episode just takes place in that universe, and it may be different characters, or maybe occasionally you had the same character come back. So you don't have like have a through line through a whole season. You just have eight individual little shows about stuff going on in the universe. Would you watch something like that? Yes, I would too. Because I wanted. I just love being in that universe. Yeah, but I don't think we have any. And, and going back to what we're talking about, Pedro Pascal, um, I don't think we have anything to worry about, even if he's no longer on the show, because of the fact that he really, the character doesn't need to take off the helmet. And with, <laughs> I, with watched Rogu gone, was, I watched the clip where I the clip where it was saying, you know, it showed the, you know, I don't take off my helmet. This is the way. And then it was like him taking off the helmet over and over and over and over and over and over again. (laughs) I was laughing. I was dying of laughter because obviously you don't pick up on that when you're watching the show. But like when they do a, a, you know, a a minute and a half clip of him just taking his helmet off all these different times. It's like, oh, how are you to the cause? He took it off in his tent so he could eat. I mean, he, yep. he's got to eat, you know? Well, yeah, but they should have... The, the thing is, is that they filmed at least two episodes without Pedro Pascal even being on set. The stunt got, stunt performers did all the physical acting, and then Pascal just voiced it in. That's what I heard they, they might do. He would not actually be in the suit. He would just voice it, and somebody else would do all the actual acting. And that that's the case. The guy would never take his but, helmet off. But the voice he has is very easy to do. Yeah. Um, it, so uh, they don't necessarily need Pedro Pascal to do it. And so if he's you know done something egregious enough to get himself fired, the show the show can still continue. Well, you could call it the Mandalorian. You could follow another Mandalorian. You could if he was mm-hmm. a, you could follow. Uh, is it Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan no, or it's called the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. not the Mandalorians. No, but you could follow a different Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Like that sketch, the Californians on Saturday. I mean, <laughs> we, I, I wouldn't mind seeing what you happened to Sabine. To the... yeah. That's the one. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind seeing what happened to Sabine after Rebels, because I know they did some other stuff with her when she was older later. Um, <clears throat> so there's there's plenty of stuff there, and I don't think that, there, that we're going to be in a shortage for any kind of entertainment from that. 
they're going to provide us one thing or another, and I think we'll like it, especially if John Favreau stays involved. Well, are like we getting a, Bo- a Boba Fett spinoff and a we are the Book uh, of Boba? A sock. Uh, what's her name? Uh, what's the female Jedi? Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, once well, she gets, she's getting her own show, right? Yeah, and I think Sabine from uh, Rebels is going to be on that. She may be on there as a regular character. Let's let's do a so. show with uh, with uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant. He's not a Mandalorian. He doesn't have I any armor. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. You, know, you just recycle all the scripts from Justified. Yeah. Yeah. Into Star Wars. Yeah. Retrofit yeah. him for Star Wars. He can still I'm be. Fine with that. He can still be the I'm sheriff of that town. He can be the yep. intergalactic sheriff. You know. <laughs> yep. I would be fine with that. Yeah. And, and, and that's they the can thing. Bring as long as the writing is good and the acting is good. And they and can bring set- in Walt Goggins anytime to guest star as the guest <laughs> villain. There you go. Oh, I'm good man. with that. You know, it's kind of like people saying, well, we will look at CBS All Access. Everything they're going to do is a, a Star Trek spinoff. That's fine. I'm excited for the uh, um, the, the guy that plays uh, the new version of Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. And they're going to call it, what is it, Star Wars? Strange Star New Worlds. Strange New I'm excited. He was great. Yeah. So give me more, you know, uh, Enterprise, Adventures. That's fine. There's talk about Spot, uh, Scott Bakula coming back. As Archer? Some kind of... Yes. Ooh, that'd be cool. As Captain Archer. Star Trek something. so very old. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I could be a time... Well, I did hear that next... Because uh, I kept hearing conflicting reports on season four, Discovery, that there wasn't going to be one. But now I've heard there is one. Uh, and it's apparently... I don't know if it's throughout the whole season, but it's going to have an all-female bridge crew. Season four of uh, Enterprise? I Dis- don't think that's possible. No, 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 Discovery. 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 Oh. oh, I'd love a season four of Enterprise. Bring Scott back to the back for that. He can be old Admiral Archer. and I'd, Really? I would watch that. I yeah, loved, so I loved some, Enterprise. Somehow they're, they're, somehow they're tying Bakula into whatever. Wait, wait, um, no, wait. I thought, I thought, um, what's her name uh, from Voyager? What, what's her Janeway name? Janeway is, but she's coming back in an animated show. So but she, no, she's already in a live-action Star Trek show where she's on some sort of prison planet. What? Because they no. got uh, what's it called? Orange is the new Orange is the new bag. You mean where she plays the Russian cook? Where she plays Chekhov? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. If the, but that animated uh, that animated show is going to be more of a uh, it's like more kid friendly. It's not like Lower Decks. It's like a kid show, right? I haven't read too much about it. I, I couldn't tell it you. Is, yeah. there, but I thought there was, it was. Out, there was outrage about the fact that, you know, here's the you know female captain. She doesn't get her own spinoff, even though she had a successful show for however many years, and she gets a voice acting part rather than a Picard type. But she show. may not want to. She may not want to do. Oh, maybe she. That's all she wants to do is voice acting. She may not want to do the show. It's not have you true. Seen her? Have you seen her lately? Yeah. yeah. She, she, that's 15 miles of bad road right there. Yeah, she oh. doesn't want to go the Carrie Fisher route. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean the, the thing is, like, Carrie Fisher, you know, when they brought her back into Star Wars, do you know what they put her under to get back, get back into fighting shape? And it, and it killed it didn't her. Happen all, yeah, and it, it did, that, that is what killed her, is, is well, working too hard. did you watch hard. that special on uh, Netflix with her and her mother? And, you know, they, they have, a jo- you know, joining houses. I mean, my God, you listen to her talk and it's like, hey, mama, 
what are you doing? <laughs> it's like holy cow! It's like it's like she one of those stories like that. In Return of the Jedi, you know? where the the owner dies and the dog dies later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Didn't they die within one day of each other? Something. Or am I thinking pretty, of somebody else? It was, very it was quick. pretty no. quick. Yeah, it was like a, within a yeah, week. I think her mother died yeah. within a few days. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a, a real shame. And when you watch that special, it's hard to watch because you can tell. You know, mom and daughter have a uh, symbiotic relationship. Yes, yes. And mother is hanging on for her daughter, and the daughter, right, lives to help take care of her mother. You know, it's, it's yes. very sad. Well, yeah. Fisher had kind of, know that. you know, kind of quit acting and really kind of found, I think, her was writing was kind of her strong suit. She kind yes. of fell into yeah. that, and she was a script doctor, and that seemed to be how I think she preferred it. And so she really wasn't acting anymore. It was... Um, I remember reading about Frakes when he showed up in uh, uh, Picard that he had been out of acting for so long he was directing that he kind of had to find his, you know, his voice again. He didn't, because he hadn't right. done it in a while. So, um, I mean, I guess you fall out of that, you know, if you kind of stop doing it. But uh, I had not known that about her being the go-to you know, last minute script doctor until I read her book and I had to have to go grab it off my bookshelf. Um, Postcards from the Edge? Uh, no, it's the the one she did that was published, I think, either shortly before her death or like right after. They probably rushed it right after. Um, but it she talks impressive. about it in, in there and I had no idea that that's what she did. I think a lot of that yeah. happens. You never, and they never get credit. You're always if right. you like listen to commentaries on films. Are like, oh, so and so came in and did a kind of a polish on this, and mm. it just never, never revealed. They kind of just kind of done in the background. But yeah, like Kevin Smith on Coyote Ugly. <laughs> well, he oh needed. My, my he, wife was he, obsessed with that movie. He should have taken a couple more passes at it then. Well, apparently, if you laughed at anything, that's what he wrote. Oh, is that what he says? <laughs> Yeah, that's Oh, crazy. my wife loves that movie. We were teenagers when that came out, and I've seen that movie way too many times. You don't make her get in the kitchen table and dance, do you? <laughs> Not anymore. I you know, it's back. funny. When you talk about you know the funny bits he's claiming that he wrote, in the original Star Trek, most of the humorous bits in many of the scripts were injected by D.C. Fontana. She mm-hmm. put the human... Uh, relationships between Spock and Bones and and the the others, uh, you know, she brought the her scripts brought those out and put them forward, and then Gene Elkoon also do, did some as well. But it, it's interesting the concept of a, a script doctor. So many of our beloved episodes of the original series that is, yeah, have her hands or his hands involved in it in some way. I'll get off my soapbox. No, no. You, you brought up something that was wonderful and it just reminded me. Now, of course, uh, it, one of the things I've been doing these last couple weeks and months is, uh, you know, I've been going back and actually started reading actual comic books again, as you, as we discussed on the last episode of, of Cocktails and Comics. And I've also been playing a lot of my retro computer games, one of which was Star Trek The 25th Anniversary Game by Interplay. And you can get that game on Steam for like under ten bucks. It's a lot of fun. Is that and the one that has them actually voice acting most of it? They, they do the voice acting in it, and uh, DC Fontana wrote a lot of the scripts for the the various uh, storylines that they go through in these things. 
And then there was one later. And you can find the trailer for it out there on YouTube and other places called Star Trek The Secret of Vulcan Fury. Hmm. And if you can find this trailer, you need to watch it. Because what happened was they got all the cast members to record their voices, even D. Kelly. Uh, and, and they did uh, another story by Dorothy Fontana. And the trailer looks amazing. But they could never get the game mechanics to work. So they can the game. It's mm. in a vault somewhere. Mm. All the recordings and everything. I think they could probably take it all out and actually make a computer-generated movie if they wanted. Well, they mm. had, uh, to what Kirk was saying, uh, Fontana and Gino Kuhner, I think, are, are, are regarded as being mostly responsible, maybe even a little more than, than Roddenberry, for kind of shaping the show, at least that first season. Uh, and creating a lot of the, I mean, Fontana herself kind of basically created the entire Vulcan race uh, and yeah. the backstory because she wrote uh, uh, well between her and um, uh, Sturgeon, who wrote uh, Amok Time. Who wrote Yesteryear? Did she write Yesteryear? That was the animated series. She wrote that one, yes. Yeah, so Spock goes back, yeah. and yeah, that's hers. Because uh, I think Gino Kuhn left at the second season and. That's right. Uh, uh, who was the guy that came in from? He, he was kind of known for kind of coming out of time and, and cutting budgets. Um, yep. Because I think Robert Justman was gone at that time too. That's why the third season is is lacking a little bit. But isn't there a or was there a, a kind of an online Star Trek kind of uh, kind of a World of Warcraft type game? You could kind of yeah, it's still going. Is it? Yeah. There's also Bridge Crew, which if you guys ever want to play, I've got that, and I'm learning how to do that. Do you do you it in VR, that. Brian? No, not VR. I just do it on my computer. And, um, you know, it's like I've gone back and set it so it's the, the original Enterprise uh, controls rather than the uh, next gen or whatever those those later ones are considered to be. And that's that's pretty fun. I, I'd like to do it like multiple people in a household setting, you know, in the same room, so you can do all the stations. I think mm-hmm. it'd be cool have somebody in the big chair, you know, giving out all the commands and everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing. That person's name would have to be Kirk, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just remember to say Ray Shields. Right. Did any of you guys ever have? Uh, they were put up by Simon Schuster, probably. Maybe late '80s or '90s, and it was—they weren't games, but they were. One of them was like the uh, Star Trek encyclopedia, and it kind of had a, a uh, El Cars type uh, set up. All the Michael Kuda stuff, right? It wasn't a game; yeah. it was just you could it just you could just pull it up on it and look up stuff. And there was also uh, they had one for I think it was called Captain's Chairs, and it was just virtual walkthroughs of all the bridges. Again, oh, they weren't wow. games. You could just kind of walk through and, and, you know, like you would do Google Maps, that kind of thing. I've still got all mine, but, of course, I can't plan anything. But You should be able to. I mean, you, you can always create an emulator for any of the different operating systems. I can. I'm, I might my, my, think the mine. Oh, they, you're was, on a Mac, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. You can, you can install. Yeah, you're screwed. No, no. you graphic can. designer guy. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can run a, a Windows on a Mac. You can set it up so you can partition the hard drive and you can put uh, Windows on it. But I think, Mike, this one's too old. Um, 
to I do that. I got a quarter here. I got a quarter here. Go down to the street corner and buy yourself a real computer. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like a buy. It's like a buy anything Mac. <laughs> well, it's getting to be about that time. We'll skip the Spawn Universe launch. I will say, um, for those of you that are into Spawn, Todd McFarland announced this week at Comics Pro that they are expanding the universe. Um, so look for there's going to be four new series that launch this year. Three of them will be ongoing. One is a limited series, but you're going to get more Spawn. So if you're a big fan of Spawn, um, which has had a resurgence in the last few years, more is coming your way. I, I read. I saw that icon on the uh, chat that you shared. Yep. What a point of view! <laughs> Holy oh. smokes! <laughs> look well, at the picture if you go back. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> now did any of you game. ever watch the HBO animated miniseries of Spawn? I have not. I nope. think I have That is seen really it. worth a watch. It was very entertaining, very crazy, very provocative. Um uh, and, and it, it made Spawn actually entertaining as opposed to the first movie. Hey, it's got John Leguizamo in the first one. <laughs> yes, it's got John Leguizamo in that huge freaking clown suit. And Martin Sheen. <laughs> and Martin Sheen. Yeah, Martin Sheen, yes. <laughs> brother of... Uh, uh, oh, God, what's his brother's name? He's a kind of a C-level actor. Uh, Joe Estevez. Have you ever seen yeah, him? I've never, in- I've never <laughs> seen... the. the Martin Sheen's brother in, in anything I can think mm-hmm. of. Well, I can I mean, I always think of Charlie and, you know, Emilio, and right. they got one other out there. There's but, a terrible, uh, there's a terrible, uh, uh, I think it's an Italian movie called Werewolf, where he's in it for about 15 minutes. Uh, there's another terrible 90s uh, kind of sci-fi movie called Soul Taker he's in. There's a really, God, really bad. he looks bad. just like him, too. He does, except he older, like- older and more sad. Um, <laughs> is that how we all are the firstborns <laughs> the return uh, of the roller bl- okay. <laughs> yeah roller gator you should, that movie should be watched just to understand what it's a talking puppet alligator and he's in it it's, 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 it's staggering um, but wasn't Spawn part of wasn't it part of the uh, image because uh, yep. although image books were Special launch in books the, yes. wasn't it part of that universe already no, so Spawn has always existed in its own universe. Oh, it was a part that. of the, the initial oh. image launch titles, right? That, you know, for those of us, that, that again, that's my sweet spot, um, along with Wildcats and The Pit and all kinds of stuff. But Spawn actually has now broken the record for most issues of an independent title, and that was broken earlier this year. So it surpassed. Wait a second. I thought Serapis was older than that, wasn't it? it Hold on. Hold on a second. You mean Archie doesn't hold that distinction? Does not. That's That's not not an independent. How is that possible? (laughs) That's definitely, it's not DC or Marvel. Well, how far, does anybody, I I think I stayed with Spawn up to about maybe 30 issues, maybe 25. Does anybody anybody else read it further down the line than that? I've not read a single Spawn comic book. I think I've got Spawn and Batman. Confused. Was it? That was no, no. There was a, a Frank Miller uh, crossover. Yeah, yeah, it was. That I was know Spawn and Batman, and yeah. that, I don't even remember reading that. 
I, I remember picking it up. Because, it kind of, you know, it, it just oh, felt, wow, it, it felt like it was getting a little repetitive. That's why I dropped off. But um, I don't know. Obviously, it's doing something right yeah, because I, people I are still reading about it. Forty or fifty issues. You know, it was the hot book at the time mm-hmm. when I was, you know, a teenager. Uh, but it's yeah, it's up to three hundred fourteen issues. So it surpassed um, Cerberus um, last year to become the longest running, mm. you know, independent, you know, published title, um, which is a huge accomplishment. I mean, more power to Todd McFarlane for keeping this thing going, even though, you know, I think there's been kind of ebbs and flows with how engaged he's been with the title. Well, he hasn't. He hasn't. Does he still write it? Or I know he hasn't drawn it in a long time. But he's drawn some. He's drawn some um, as of late. You know, he's doing covers and, and some other things. And he actually did something that was good. So one of the big crazes in, in comics is variant covers. And for Spawn 300, which tied the record with Cerberus, um, anybody that wanted to do a variant cover had to do interior pages. He mm. wouldn't let them just do a cover. You had to do interior pages. So it, it did limit the amount of, of people, but you got some really good talent. Um, drawing those books because they had to do interior pages and you know you can imagine you can imagine you know you don't know what you're going to get so you know uh you got some really good folks doing, doing well, covers on there he mentioned art adams was, was one of the artists the only one i recognize of all the ones that might be working on the new books and, and i always thought adams was wasn't quick enough to uh i know he always had trouble doing a monthly book because i don't think he's very fast but uh he's detailed yeah i love i love art adams <laughs> work but um, isn't uh, isn't Savage Dragon still going on? It is, but it's only at I think I want to say issue like two seventy. Okay, okay. So um, yeah, Eric Larson has not been you know for a while. It was like a quarterly book. Oh. Well, he still but he still writes and draws that himself, right? He, he does. doesn't, he doesn't yep. farm that out yep. to anybody else. So no, no, uh, that's his baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're really just not in my wheelhouse right now. <laughs> hey, I'm broadening your horizons. Speaking no, no, of no, service, no. just Eric Larson has always been one of my least favorite. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny because I was just talking about that the other night, wasn't I, Tim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll shut up now. <laughs> Speaking of service, have we talked about the uh, the service number one um, reprint or? Uh, What's the word that I want? Not uh, counterfeits. The counterfeit scandal. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Did we did, did we talk about that on, no. on one of these shows? Nope. Anyways, we we won't do it tonight, but um, we should recap that because I have a couple connections to that that I didn't realize. Um, but it'll it'll take too long. You guys, we'll do it on another one. You're printing books in your basement. Close, <laughs> but uh, not quite. But. Uh, if I was, I'd never admit it. But uh, I have a couple, couple connections that I didn't realize to that. That uh, well, we'll talk about it another time. Well, I, is, I, this, is that a construction cone on top of a lamp? There, I behind? saw that back there. That safety cone. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a very no. It's a small version. Um, it's a dildo. Just done. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's um, it's a butt bug. <laughs> my my wife is under the impression that when you teach people to drive that you have to set out traffic cones so that they can learn how to parallel park or pull in or something i've never had that experience because when i learned in michigan we didn't have that 
but apparently in some communities that's very important. So when they had these little plastic teeny tiny uh, traffic cones for sale, she bought them for the kids. Well, the kids have learned to drive, you know, 10 years ago now. And so that one's left over and it's sitting on top of a, a launch rod for my model rockets just so that you know, you don't poke your eye out of it. That's what that's doing. Launch we should rod. tell people. No, you want me to bring it over here? <laughs> no, no, thanks. I don't want to see your launch rod. We should, we, we should let people know. I'm the only one of the participants on this chat that has his video feed on, and that's why they're spotting things behind me in my very cluttered basement to talk about. I got the lights about. off in here. Well, I'm getting the lights down. I'm drinking mm -hmm. good. We were critiquing yeah, I, your I, I whole basement. Want... Yeah, I did want to mention, as you guys are talking about Spawn, there's a Salmon Twitch TV series coming up. Now, those were the detectives from Spawn, weren't they? Yep, mm -hmm. yep. and then they had their own and, series for a little bit. Yeah, and Kevin Smith uh, is executive producer. No, this is a new one. Oh, yeah, they had their own comic series. But, yeah, Kevin yeah. Smith is producing the Salmon Twitch. Uh, I, I don't know if it's live action or animated um, at this point. But yeah, he's he's exec producing that. He's got the He-Man series about to come out, so yeah, he's got the rebirth of the he. It's, it's a continuation of the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe series, like the new She-Ra together. The new She-Ra mm -hmm. cartoon. I think it's yep, what's called. Yep, yep. No, I don't think it's going to be like that because that um, got kind of panned for yeah, not being you know kind of on brand. But mm -hmm. it is getting late, and I do want to talk about. So I sent you the link, and, and Kirk gave me a hard time saying what? I must be independently wealthy to be looking oh, at oh, oh, uh, original comic, you know, comic art. art. And uh, there's a Heritage auction this weekend, and it caught mm -hmm. my eye because there's a John Byrne and uh, Austin page from Doom Patrol number 13. You know, it's page 14. So yeah. it's nothing special, right? It's not Is like it a good Good it's, page? Is it it's nine panel. What is it? Nine panel? No, eight panels of, of Elastigirl. And uh, does she always sleep in her costume? They all do. They all do. They sleep in the costume. I mean, in TV series, they don't. Well, in comics, they do. Yeah, well. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to bring it up because I have not dabbled in this world very much because, like Kirk, most of the time what you're hearing is pages going for thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars and i wanted to point this out because you know as a burned fan even though it's not the most desirable page if you wanted to own a piece of actual john Byrne art. done art and terry austin inks no, and it's yeah. on, the bids are only at one hundred and fifteen dollars. Now, granted, you got to pay a twenty percent premium on that, but you know you're looking at assuming the bids didn't go up anymore, which it doesn't seem like it's got a lot of action. I'll have to ask. Well, some, look, about some of that. these Mark Bagley well, ones are pretty Adams. cheap. Yeah, they are friend, very cheap. I'd love that. A Mark Bagley well, Adams is a huh. is a curator for Heritage Auctions, and so all this stuff usually comes through his hands. And all that. So I'm going to, have to well, ask him about this. I, I don't want to. I don't want to brag, but I've got a John Byrne page from Spider-Man Chapter One. Um, Ooh, that uh, ah. it's him and Electro, and I think that's inked by Byrne. Um, and I think I got on eBay for about 120 bucks. Wow. Now this is this has been that's probably 15 years ago. But. Are you going to share it and put it in the chat? 
Oh, well, I don't, it's, uh, well, I don't know where it's at. It's, uh, well, maybe not now, but well, yeah, I don't even know where it's at. Yeah, the show notes. I took a picture of it, yeah. amazing pieces. It's just one of many. He had, well, actually, I've got two. I've, I, I, I correct that, because when I saw him in Boston, I bought a the splash page from Star Trek Crew, the second issue, I think. It's the one where they're beaming down to the uh, city looks like an old Earth mm-hmm. city. And uh, it's just, you know, five figures beaming in. Uh, but it's a full, full splash page, and it's all in pencil. He didn't apparently ink it. They just reproduced it from his pen, uh, pencils. And that was pretty nice. And Fidel said, yeah, go ahead and buy it. So I got that one. So I've got two of his pages. So I wanted to point it out because, yes, you can get some deals if you're if you're willing to accept that you're not going to get, you know, a Dark Phoenix page or no. a cover, <laughs> you, you know. But if you just wanted to own a piece of actual burn art, you know, the real deal, you know, this would have been the page that was turned into to Marvel, or in this case DC, you know, for Doom Patrol, you can get it. And yeah, it might run you a couple hundred bucks in this case, but you could have it, and it would be yours. Hmm. Um, I did want to point out some other ones. There's a Sal Buscema page for Spider-Man 148, it's at forty-eight dollars. Well, there's a there's an Art Adams from Monkey Man or Brian. It's fifty-two dollars. Yep, a Tony Daniel Batman. Now this I is a page from a comic, but it's a you know seven and, and three quarters by eleven page of a Batman. You know that's a pretty good. You know it's just a single figure. You know with Batman and a bat yeah. and some background. Wow. At fifty-six dollars. Look how much I just found a page from Generations Two for a hundred and fifty dollars. There you go. A it's real, not, a, a nice one, a nice one. Look, how, mu- look how much those Garfield nice pages one. are going for. Almost $400. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to give you credit. You guys are, are dropping the hints for your next Christmas present <laughs> with plenty of time in advance. I mean, that's that's it, pre-planning, guys. That's well, really guys, good. The, the, the couple things to keep in mind, some things that are about to become available. Uh, the gener- start uh, not generate not Star Trek, but uh, John Byrne generate Superman Batman Generations Omnibus is coming yes. out here soon, and Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus uh, is coming out here soon, and both those are going to be like what one hundred and twenty five dollars each, or they or, or either of them seven. Oh, right, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Ooh. I don't know about you guys, but opening up those omnibus omnibuy. Uh, yeah, they're great to collect the whole story through you have it, but I have a hard time making it lay flat. I mean, the the Marvel Masterworks are hard oh. enough as they are, but those omnibus, holy smokes, it's like opening up the family Bible and what's that that's dropped down on the crack right in the middle? I can't reach in there. What is that? Hey, uh, there. Brian, there's some Keith Giffen uh, stuff in here that's only... Uh... Is it Legion or... No, it's uh, Claw, number 12. Or OMAC. But they're only $115. There is a, a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. I saw that. For 62 bucks. See, see it's like, if I'm going to buy anything right now, it would be this page from Generations 2. It's uh, Generations 2, Volume 4, page 16. And that's where I think is it the president presses the button to call in Green Lantern. Because he sees the big burning of energy coming down the road. Okay, here's some stuff um, from Mad Magazine. And it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. 
Al Jaffe. Al Jaffe, uh, snappy answers to stupid questions. Yeah, you can get a painted, I still use those. A painted Al Jaffe fold-in for $210. Pretty cool. Who would have ever thought yeah. that we'd be buying and selling these original pieces well, of artwork? Brian, do, do you remember when we saw him in Dallas, when we got our Star, uh, our Star Trek book signed, was he selling any of his pages on his table? No. So I, if, if they had, I would have bought something. I, I'd brought... I had so much cash put aside just for that and they didn't have anything like what they had in Boston and I was really really disappointed in that but it's not you know I think it's is it Jim Warden the guy that runs the the DOA page I don't remember when I bought the page in Boston he had a he had a portfolio there and you could flip through and they were mostly Star Trek stuff But, but Jim Warden wasn't there in Dallas um, I don't know. I thought Burn would, you know, surely kind of been selling himself, but nah, nah. And he was busy enough signing, signing, you know, every book that everybody brought up to him. Yeah. Here's a Gil Kane Starhawks, fifty-eight dollars. Yep, George Perez Batman. Eric really? La- here's Eric Larson Spawn one ninety nine. Wait, wait, how much? How much is a George Perez Batman? Ninety-two dollars. That's cheap. That's for what Perez. the bidding is up to right now. Yep. And let me see the size of it. Uh, nine inches by nine dot four. Oh, so it's, it's a drawing. It's not a page. No, it's not a page, but it is a George Perez drawing. Yeah, I, I want an original page because yeah. Is there a buy it now option on this? <laughs> I doubt it. No, no this no, is but a, a lot of these have one day left on the bidding. Yeah, so yeah. you imagine they're not going to go too crazy. I mean, they might. I mean, there's one for twelve bucks. It's a Bob Luber's. Secret Agent X9 from 1960 King Features. It's a comic strip. Twelve bucks. I still can't believe the the Gumby Summer Fun Special is going for seven hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah, that's a little. I mean, it's Arthur Adams drawing Gumby and Pokey. Yeah, <laughs> some of these I don't I don't get. You know, like there's a Rex Max and Tarzan illustration from 1931. Wow, this is very old. <laughs> Almost a yeah. hundred years old, um, you know. It's ninety years old. Seventy-six dollars. Well, do they have a minimum bid? No. Well, I mean, uh, that's just what the bidding is up to right 76 now. Seventy-six dollars is the minimum bid. Wow. Yeah. Right. Okay, so the Edward Barreto, oh, the Nightwing from Titans forty-one. That's up to three hundred dollars already. Here's a Amazing that's Spider-Man. A nice page, though. That's a nice yeah. page. Amazing yeah. Spider-Man number one sixty-eight cover preliminary original art. From 1977, $115. And what's it show? Who's the art? Uh, whoever did the original art, uh, it's just kind of a rough sketch of how the, the cover would be. And it's uh, the one where Fire Lord, or it's Will the Wiss, has got uh, Parker by the neck and he's kind of uh, flying through the city. So that would be uh, Russ Andrew. Is that right? Who was doing it in that time? 168. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 168. I'm gonna go look it up. But there, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of the stuff that is pretty cheap. Yeah, so you you don't have to be a millionaire to, you know, get a page or two. And like I said, it's not it's not gonna be you know, like the preeminent, you know, pages from comics. But if you like to own a page of original art that maybe your favorite artist or from your favorite series, you can get them. You know, at, at less than, you know, uh, uh, bank-busting prices. 
you know, here's a John Romita Sr. and Scott Hanna page from Amazing Spider-Man number 45 from 2002 for uh, 145 bucks. Yeah. Now, what does it say? If you click on it, it'll say like $115 with buyer's premium, 138 Is that yeah, their... their 20% premium oh, okay. that they put on top of that? You say yeah, it was 168 I'm blown mm-hmm. away by this Ultimate Spider-Man 75. That's Mark Bagley and Scott Hanna yeah. for $56. And that's, I mean, that's a Peter and Mary Jane page. Well, here's a here's a splash page from Avengers 81. Michael Mikowski, $50. That's a splash that page. old, old Avengers, or is that... Is yeah. that something more No, recent? it's older Avengers because Stan Lee's the editor, Roy Thomas is the writer, and wow. John Pacema is the artist. Tom Palmer's the anchor. Um, hold on. That, that would be... Is that the two parts? No, the one part Zodiac story? No, I think it's a Will of the Wisp. How far down is that? I'm, I, who's uh, the, uh... I'm on page three, near the bottom. Oh, okay, that's why I can't... That Avengers one's on the same page as the Spider-Man one. It's just on the far left. Yeah, I see it. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. This is a recreation. So it's a recreation yeah. of, of 81, but still, it's yep, a nice yep, page. Yep. It's a nice page. Wow. No, there's a lot of stuff here. Really, really yeah. interesting. I'm sure the people that are listening to us right now, they won't have the ability to buy <laughs> they these. They won't. That's why I brought it up. going to be quite <laughs> a bit late. later. Um, but no, the thing it. is, if you go out to Heritage Auctions website... And you look at at the various comic pages and stuff they have. They're constantly getting new things all the time. My friend Weldon Adams on his Facebook page will constantly throw out these. Look what came across my desk today, and he'll and like he had a lot of the the X Men. You know, like a one thirty seven. They had a bunch of pages from that one go on auction uh, just before we did our uh, Dark Phoenix. Uh, uh, extravaganza the other yeah. was that last year? yeah it was last year is it no, Jerry is it Jerry Ordway Shazam for $62 wow I saw, that, I saw that one I I this is what I'm saying that I'm tempted to really bid on some of yeah. these and they're they're not like I said premier pages but you know like people who want to poo-poo Gary Frank just look at some of the pages here by Gary Frank. I mean, the, the detail is amazing. No, I, I don't poo-poo him. I think he's a very good artist. I just think that his I wasn't Reeve Superman is creepy. <clears throat> it's just the way he, he tries to do Christopher Reeve. It comes off really creepy. That's all. It freaks me out. Is that George it's Perez when you were tar- talking about David? Is that that Batman? It's it's like looking yes. at a picture that moves around, okay? That yeah, looks at you, you moving around the room. Yeah, it's creepy. That's there's a, all. There's a Bob McCloud storm for forty two dollars. Yep, I, I saw that one too. And some of these mm-hmm. guys, I mean, they're getting up in age, so yeah. you know. Yep, and as we know with artists, it's just a fact of life that once they die, their art goes up in value. And so, you know, as Tim just said, you know, there's a George Perez that I had mentioned earlier of the Batman picture. If you like George Perez, an artist, here's a, you know, a fairly cheap way to get a George Perez drawn Batman. It's not a comic page, but it is a George Perez original piece of art. 
And you can get it framed and hang in your yep. bang, in your man cave. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And nobody else will have that same piece. Yeah, that's a specialty illustration. Yep. There's so a lot of these from, from this year, from 2020. Bart Sears, he's got one here for eleven dollars. From Spider Woman. Is that the yeah, one where her face is like really melting good. off? Yeah, or he's pulling her face off or something. Yeah, yeah I saw that one. And I was like, that's kind of a cool page. Here's I mean, I, I'm not familiar with that book, but that's a two-page spread. You want a who wants a, amb- a gorilla rod being ridden by ambush bug? Twenty-three dollars. It's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool pencil. I don't know who it did it. So you know, something to think about. You know, as, as you're, you know, maybe looking for something for that hard to buy person that's a comic fan. As Brian said, you know, Heritage Auction gets the stuff all the time. And, you know, it's to me, it's fairly reasonable. As someone who's gone to a lot of conventions, you know, you look at original art pages, they are expensive. Expensive. Very. It, it, it sometimes depends on, like you said, who you're, who you're collecting. Right. Here's a Kurt Swan Superman from 75 $56. I saw that one, too. There's a lot and of Kurt Swan here. Yeah, there's a lot of Kurt Long Swan in here. And they're not super mm-hmm. expensive. Here's the, uh, I'm sharing it in Skype, so take a look. There's the um, uh, original art that I got from George Perez. You can't, oh, there it is. Yeah, I got that. That's uh, the George Teen Titans from... 19. <laughs> no, no. George Dr. Perez, Light. Romeo Tanghall, and it's a full page of Dr. Light. Here's Very a Wally cool. Wood is this monster drawing for $21. Yeah, I bought this about 25, 26 years ago. Is this before uh, uh, Identity Crisis? Yeah, this is back in the early 80s. Okay. This is from the original Teen Titans run that uh, Wolfman and Perez did. How often, do they uh, do the, how often do they do these auctions like this? There's auctions going on all the time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is it... Well, I guess I'm not really... They just get new material all no. the time. Yeah, it's one of those sites that you bookmark and check it... You know, once a week, yeah, and see see what's coming up. You know, like I said, you, normally most average folks like us are you know priced out. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people buy this stuff because they intend to resell. It. They don't care what it is. They're buying right. it to resell. It. Exactly. Yeah, or as an investment. Mm. Um, which you know you can understand, right? I mean, oh yeah. If you if you owned you know, a splash page of a character introduction or a first appearance cover of a character. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, whether these prices continue to rise like they have been, who, who knows? And the market doesn't seem to be slowing down. Mm-hmm. But just because you see some of these record-breaking prices on, on some pages doesn't mean that that's how the well, whole market is. I'll tell you right now that if you go to Burns website and you find the link to Jim Warden's DOA page uh, you can find Burns IDW artwork starting at about $125 you know $100 and going up to $200 and this is pages from the Star Trek the the Romulan Palms of War Um, there's a lot of pages in there there's not any that are like you know, full page splashes or anything like that, and there's other books in there. But you, there's one that's got like a Romulan warbird that gets blown up. Um, that's a good page. 
which is that one? It's 150. Uh, and you can find pages from from other books that he's done there for IDW. And I'm trying to figure out what some of these are. It looks like that um, that spy, not the spy book, but the the Finders of Lost Children. There's actually some pages in there because it looks like he's driving the uh, the bandits Trans Am yeah. right there. Some of the, there's a Immortal Hulk page. You see that, David? Yeah, I, I did. Joe that. Bennett and uh, yep. Ray, was it Ray? Yeah, it's, it's actually doubled in the last day because that was one I had my eye mm. on. Um, There's also I, a, I know it's exactly yeah. that part in the story where yeah. that page occurs. I like this uh, Joe Bennett and Al Milgram. Uh, Sensational Spider-Man's not bad. I mean, some of these, what well, you notice that if they're not, you know, Spider Peter Parker's in that one, but not Spider-Man. So sometimes right. the, uh, the pages will be... Okay. Oh, there's hey just some Wonder Woman pages available. Look at the mighty Avengers 81 recreation of the Splash. You've got Cap, Iron Man, Thor, the big three, Quicksilver, who's hot right now, and the Black Panther, who's hot. That I, I know what I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that's a recreation. It's not the invis- initial page. Not the re- that's okay. <laughs> for 50 bucks, that's okay. You'll take it. Sold. It's impressive. Yeah, and this is a this is a dying form of comic book art. I mean, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of the artists coming up today, they were trained in you know the digital tools right. that are used now to draw comics and color comics and ink comics. So, you know, even though, as uh, as as Tim mentioned, the Immortal Hulk page, um, that's not a new artist. That's been that's somebody that's been around for a long time. So he's still doing it the traditional way. This is going to become less and less common, mm-hmm. you know. As 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 comic art continues to be produced, you won't have these. So if it's something that you're interested in, I think now is kind of the time to look at this and and maybe not buy yet, you know, unless you you know you have the the, the means to do it. But get you know think about getting yourself as a comic fan an original page of art. You know, I like, you know, for me personally, I do like some of the ones that have like tape on them where they've changed the dialogue box or they, you mm-hmm. know, something got, you know, changed altered. last minute. Yeah, altered, you know, in some way or white out on it. I, I love seeing that process. And mm-hmm. it's a way for you to own a little piece of something that we love. And again, it's it's something that nobody else has. You know, well, only- they got Michael mm-hmm. Kaluta here. From Madden Xanadu. Did you see these other? That's uh, $13. Brian, did you John see these Burns? other pages that John Burns coming up? I guess they're coming in future auctions. John yeah, Burns. I, I did Daredevil. a search. In, you know, it's, it's labeled John Burns Fantastic Four, but it's a splash page of Daredevil. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know which one that is. Now, this is John uh, Byrne, uh, West Coast Avengers number 50, New Guys ooh. number 13. Uh, Action Comics 827 John Byrne Who's Who Update Metallo and Fantastic Four 255 those are all upcoming auctions okay I'm oh yeah I've got to find the thing for upcoming because I'm only seeing the current well I found it because I clicked on I clicked on the uh, that Byrne and Austin page from Doom Patrol and it took me there so you can also in the top left where there's a search box just type in John Byrne yeah yeah okay Oh wow! Now that uh, is that actual page. I don't know. Oh wow, the Human Torch. But that's 
There are no bids on that. Well, some of them I think are coming up. They're upcoming, yeah. This, a lot of this happens with, uh, and I run this all the time with uh, DVDs because they'll kind of go out of print. And you were talking about where the Gargantuan was earlier, Brian. I've got the, I think it came out in 2004 or five. It's a double feature of the original Rodan in Japanese and War of the Gargantuas. Now that DVD is out of print, but it's going for about 150 bucks. He's got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. If you type in John Byrne, yeah, that's oh my gosh, at. there's a lot. There's a Metallo page from the Who's Who. Yeah. Uh, yep, I see great, that. There's a lot of Fantastic Four 255, so he must be dumping. Well, he's not doing it. I mean, he doesn't own any of this all old original art. Mm. It's, you know, other people that, that own it. And uh, so they're they're basically putting it up for sale. They're expecting hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for these pages, considering how much of the X-Men stuff went for uh, in the last couple of years. I mean, you're talking some of the X-Men pages went for, you know, in the what 50 75 even hundred thousand dollar range yeah but it's fantastic Four two fifty five. that i'm i can't remember that was uh the galactus thing wasn't it no how about a, no. a how about a joe kirby joe Sinnott page from fantastic Four seventy seven? wow it's coming up it's got silver surfer and the uh, human torch in it it looks pretty nice i can imagine the what that'll fetch page that yeah from fantastic four 255 i was just looking at that i like that one the cityscape and then you've got daredevil mm-hmm. leaping at the reader mm-hmm. that's a nice page the, the better is this one from fantastic four 76 it's a great page it's got torch it's got fan, mr fantastic the thing psycho man i don't know is that psycho man i'm not no probably the tell. punisher Galactus as Punisher, maybe. Remember that Daredevil splash page by Burn is good too, from 255. Mm hmm. So, something to think about, you know, as. as uh, oh, know, that com- was the Annihilus story. Yeah, you can tell. Um, you know, something to think about, you know, if you if you get bored, you know, you, you're waiting for that next omnibus to come out or. You know, you're just not interested in, the, in modern comics. I think this is a great thing to look at every once in a while, and maybe you'll pick up a bargain, you know, and start a little collection of original artwork. Um, you know, I, like I like that page of uh, I think it's Orion, uh, John Byrne, New Gods, Volume Four, Number Thirteen. Uh, is that going to go for a lot of money? Probably not. That's a nice page. I like that one. So I think that'll that'll probably do it for tonight, unless you guys got anything else. No, we probably lost our audience about thirty minutes ago when we just started yeah, talking. We, we just started talking about. about <laughs> well, the good thing is they won't they won't be able to bid on anything that's going to end tomorrow. So no. we're safe in uh, in bidding on some of the stuff that we talked mm-hmm. about tonight. Um, you know, hopefully they- you've enjoyed another uh, you know couple hours you know with your your third degree burn crew just hanging out, talking comics, talking movies, talking TV, uh, original art, contra- Twitter controversies. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, we'll have to save for the uh, the next Cocktails and Comics. I do have kind of a fun little uh, Amazon music game 
that uh, we could play next time. That's a little Family Feud style. Uh, I'll save that in my back pocket. There you go. Uh, so for Third Degree Burn and Cocktails and Comics, I'm David Thompson, and I was joined by Brian Hughes. Night, Brian. Three sheets to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> and John Hyatt. Hey, good night, everyone. Or, and good morning. Whenever <laughs> yeah, you're listening. Kirk <laughs> Romfell. I'm the sober one. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and Tim Elliott. Uh, I'm the designated driver. Um. <laughs> <laughs> good, good night, everybody. Good Have night. A- Adios. Sayonara. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a-g-e-t-b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn